Section 26 of the South American Republics, Volume 2, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Part 6. Colombia. Chapter 1. Conquest and Settlement. When Alonso de Ojeda coasted along the Venezuelan shore in the spring of 1499, he stopped short just west of the Gulf of Maracaibo, near the present boundary between Venezuela and Colombia. The following year, Rodrigo Batista doubled the Guaira Peninsula and pursued his voyage to the west, catching sight of the giant snow-clad mountains of Santa Marta and of the lowland which lies between them and the sea. Coming to the mouth of a great river on the day sacred to St. Magdalene, he named it the Magdalena, and further to the southwest found the fine harbor where the city of Cartagena now stands. At the head of the Gulf of Darien he came to another great river, the Atrato, and here his explorations stopped. More than a year later, the great Columbus himself, on his fourth and last voyage, sighted the Central American coast at Cape Gracias a Dios, near the present boundary between Nicaragua and Honduras. Thence he sailed southeast along a pestilential shore for 800 miles, finally arriving near the point where Batista had left off his explorations. It is said that Bartholomew Columbus founded a settlement on the Atlantic shore of the Isthmus, but it was soon destroyed by the neighboring Indians. The long stretch of coast was unfit for the abode of Europeans, but the Indians had gold in abundance, and the Spaniards were satisfied that the interior was full of mines. Hundreds of fortunate adventurers had accumulated fortunes in the placers of Haiti, and with a view of repeating their successes on the mainland, Alonso de Ojeda solicited and obtained from the Spanish crown the grant of the territory from Guaira to the Atrato, while Diego de Nicuesa was given the coast from the Atrato to Cape Gracias a Dios. In 1510, one of Ojeda's lieutenants founded a city called Sebastian on the eastern shore of the Gulf of Darien. The Indians soon destroyed it, but Antigua was established across the Gulf. This place was in fact on the isthmus of Panama, and not much more than one hundred miles from the Pacific Ocean, of which the Spaniards then knew nothing. Among the military adventurers who had followed Ojeda to Darien were Núñez de Balboa and Francisco Pizarro. In 1511 the former went a short distance into the interior looking for gold, and fell in with an Indian chief, who told him that only a few leagues south lay a great sea whose shores were inhabited by numerous rich and civilized nations. Two years later he headed an expedition from Antigua, which resulted in the epoch-making discovery which has immortalized his name. As the band of Spaniards approached the line of hills from which the natives told them they could see the mysterious ocean, Balboa hastened ahead of his men and was the first to catch a glimpse, but in the headlong rush for the honor of first touching its waters he was beaten by Alonso Martin, and that lean and tireless soldier who was afterwards to conquer Peru, Francisco Pizarro. The Pacific side of the Isthmus proved to be more healthful and habitable than the marshy shores of the Atlantic, and the settlers at Antigua were soon driven by fevers and dysenteries, torrential rains and sweltering heat to the more healthful region of Panama. Nicuesa likewise had been able to do nothing with his long stretch of Isthmian and Central American coast, Nombre de Dios, not far from the present site of Colon, was the only town which he succeeded in establishing, and that maintained itself only as landing place on the way to Panama. 
To this day the Caribbean coast from the Atrato Delta as far as Gracias a Dios is practically uninhabited by white men. On the site of Antigua there is left not a trace. The Indians in its neighborhood are still independent savages, and the north shore of the Isthmus has been a hospital and a grave for successive generations of white men during four hundred years. Only its position at the strategical gate to the great South Sea has induced men to go to its noisome shores. The Isthmian settlements were, as they remain, separated from the continent of South America by the deep and broad valley of the Atrato, where the rainfall is the greatest known, and whose dense tropical forests are uninhabitable and practically impassable. No land communication exists between Panama and Colombia proper. However, the coast east of the Atrato Delta is drier, and at Santa Marta, beyond the mouth of the Magdalena, and at the foot of the great outlying mountain mass of Colombia's northeastern peninsula, was founded in 1525 the first permanent settlement in Colombia proper. It was nothing more than a kidnapping station, whence expeditions scoured the interior for slaves to be sold to the Haitian gold mines. Meanwhile, from Coro, established two years later, on the eastern side of Maracaibo Gulf, murdering and slaughtering expeditions were sent across the Gulf, returning to Venezuela after making a circuit among the mountains lying south of Maracaibo Bay. Later, these expeditions from Coro penetrated over these mountains, reaching the Llanos of the Apure, and finally the plains of Casanare, lying east of Bogotá, which now belong to Colombia. The exploring parties from Santa Marta and Coro, and information picked up along the coast, gave the Spaniards a pretty fair idea of the geography of the interior, and the existence of immense quantities of gold and of civilized nations living on the high plateaus was verified from many sources. The conquest of the fertile and salubrious interior of Colombia was effected from three distinct centers, Cartagena and Santa Marta on the Caribbean coast, and Quito on the Ecuador tableland. Serious colonization began with Heredia's foundation of Cartagena in 1533. The new leader set vigorously to work to establish himself firmly on the magnificent harbor and seek for gold. Cortes's and Pizarro's marvelous successes had brought a multitude of adventurers to the new world, all of whom were eager for a share in the spoils of the yet independent Indian kingdoms. Heredia found the rocky hills which rose not far south of Cartagena full of profitable gold washings, and the Indians reported that only a short distance in the interior, where the mountains rose higher, there was a region called Zenufana, which produced the precious metal far more abundantly. Their story was true, and Zenufana was none other than the present state of Antioquia, which has produced hundreds of millions of dollars of gold. No time was lost in starting on the search. Heredia's first expedition penetrated to the headwaters of the river Sinu, which flows into the Caribbean not far southwest of Cartagena, and though successful in finding gold, he was unable to force his way over the high Sierra of Abibe, the most northern bulwark of the great maritime cordillera, which barred his way into Antioquia and the valley of the Cauca. In 1535 the town of Tolu was founded between the mouth of the Sinu and Cartagena, and the expeditions skirted the northern end of the Andes until they reached the river Cauca, where it debouched into the Magdalena. 
1537 Spanish expeditions succeeded in crossing the formidable Abila Mountains, and penetrated east into the coveted mining country. Up the Cauca they followed for 200 miles, passing the rapids which place an almost inexpugnable barrier between the upper and lower river. Not far from the present city of Cartago, they found traces of white men and learned that while they themselves had been pushing south, the indomitable companions of Pizarro had extended their explorations and conquest more than a thousand miles north from their landing place on the Peruvian coast. The men from Cartagena went on to Cali, where the conquerors of Popayán had their headquarters, and there an expedition was fitted out which, under the leadership of Jorge Robledo, returned down the Cauca and conquered Antioquia after much bloody fighting with the Indians. It is said that each of Heredia's men received a larger amount than the conquerors of Mexico and Peru. Certain it is that the founding of Cartagena resulted in putting the Spaniards in possession of the valley of the Cauca and the wonderful gold mines of Antioquia as far south as the fifth degree. Ben Alcazar, one of Pizarro's lieutenants, after conquering Quito in 1533, had proceeded north along the Andean plateau between the two cordilleras. A hundred miles from Quito, he entered the high region of Pasto, inhabited by vigorous, semi-civilized Indians, much resembling those of Ecuador. Near this point, the Andes, heretofore massed in one great chain, split into three parallel ranges. The western and central trains are separated from each other by the valley of the Cauca, and near the Caribbean, dip down to sea level. The eastern range bears off a little to the right, with the Magdalena Valley between it and the central mountains, and 600 miles north turns northeast and enters Venezuela just south of Maracaibo Bay. Ben Alcazar went straight north from Pasto and entered the region where the Cauca gathers its headwaters. This was Popayán, a lower country than Pasto, but still high enough to be healthful, pleasant, and densely populated. In rapid succession, the tribes inhabiting the whole upper Cauca Valley were conquered, and Ben Alcazar's officers only stopped when they met their countrymen coming up from Cartagena. The city of Cali was founded in 1536, Popayán in 1538, Pasto and Anserma in 1539, and Cartago in 1540. This beautiful valley is one of the most isolated regions on the globe. To the east and west, the high walls of the Quindio, or Central, and of the western cordillera shut it off from the Magdalena Valley and from the Pacific, and the rapids near Cartago make communication with the Caribbean almost impossible. Ben Alcazar himself had returned to Quito, and it was not until 1538 that he was able to undertake the conquest of the upper Magdalena and those lovely plateaus and rich kingdoms which nestled on the broad top of the eastern cordillera. In the meantime he had been forestalled by an expedition coming from the Caribbean. In 1536 Jimenez de Quesada sallied forth from Santa Marta with 800 men and 100 horses. Avoiding the swampy delta of the Magdalena, he passed through the Chimilas Mountains, which lie east of it, and reached the solid ground of the foothills that approach the river banks some 300 miles above its mouth. Along these he made his way through incredible difficulties and hardships, months being consumed in the journey, 
and his men perishing by scores from fatigue starvation and continual fights with the savage natives when he reached the river opon he determined to climb to the plateau near the site of velez where he was told that the mountain top was inhabited by a civilized race after fighting his way through the unconquerable savages of the opon valley he found himself in the centre of a series of lovely tablelands many of them the beds of ancient mountain lakes whose alluvial bottoms were inexhaustibly fertile where the climate was perfect and all the products of the temperate zone grew luxuriantly the plateaus interrupted by valleys and ridges stretched from pamplona to beyond bogota a distance of more than two hundred miles this region was then and remains to this day the populous heart of colombia the principal seat of power wealth and national civilization however it is so isolated that it has never constituted a nucleus around which the widely separated provinces of colombia could unite into a well-organized nation to reach tolima bogota's nearest neighbor in the upper magdalena valley it is necessary to descend thousands of feet of steep mountainside along which the sure-footed mule can hardly climb to reach cauca not only must the magdalena valley be crossed but the enormously high quindio range must be climbed and before getting to the pacific still another mountain chain intervenes while the populous gold regions of antioquia can only be reached by following down the magdalena and up the cauca weeks of the most difficult journeying are required to get to the sea coast or any of the other states and panama might as well be on the other side of the globe so far as practical communication goes quesada had lost three-fourths of his men in reaching the promised land but once there he encountered fewer difficulties than any of the other great spanish conquerors the numerous nation of the chipchas inhabited the southern plateaus who acknowledged allegiance to the sipa of mequeta but their so-called empire possessed no military force or cohesion although they had carried agriculture to a high degree of perfection they manufactured cotton cloths mined gold and emeralds worked artistic ornaments had a circulating medium and a calendar lived in houses built splendid temples and had tools hard enough to carve stones into elaborate sculptures their government was absolute crimes were severely and relentlessly punished the caste of priests wielded great power altogether they appear to have reached a stage of material civilization not much inferior to the aztecs of mexico the caras of ecuador or the incas of peru but in efficiency of governmental and military organization they fell far below those great peoples spanish chroniclers have amused themselves with recording traditions of great wars in which the chipchas had assembled armies of hundreds of thousands not long before the conquest but the fact remains that less than two hundred spaniards overcame them and reduced them to unquestioning obedience within a few months and without serious loss indeed quesada's successors had more difficulty with the smaller nations who inhabited the northern plateaus of tunja socorro and tundama and the most serious resistance was made by the semi-savage tribes of the upper magdalena who fought nearly as desperately as the indians of antioquia and the caribbean coast quesada chose the site of the ancient chipcha capital for his city and there bogota was founded on the seventh of august fifteen thirty eight it lies on the eastern border of a magnificent level plain 
the bed of the largest of the prehistoric lakes, thirty miles broad and sixty long, and nearly nine thousand feet above sea level. One hundred and fifty thousand people live on that plain today, and the population in Chipcha times was probably even larger. The same year Benalcazar reached the neighborhood of Bogotá, having come down the valley of the Magdalena from Quito and Pasto, and at the very same moment arrived an expedition from Coro in Venezuela, which had crossed the mountains south of Maracaibo and followed south along the Llanos, lying at the eastern base of the Colombian Andes, thence climbing the Sierra to Bogotá. Remarkable as it may seem, these three bands of indomitable Spaniards, starting from widely separated points on the coast, met each other in the remote interior of the continent, brought to the same place by the fame of the fertility and riches of the Chipcha kingdom. The Venezuelans under Federman and the Ecuadorians under Benalcazar accepted the bribe which Quesada offered them not to interfere with his conquest, and the three chiefs, laden with gold, returned to Spain in the same ship. Quesada left his brother in nominal command of the colony, but each of the conquerors was a law unto himself. When the governor of Santa Marta came up to Bogotá, they refused to recognize his authority. Tunja and Vélez were founded in 1539 on the plateaus north of the capital, and a year or two later Quesada's brother wasted a great part of his forces in a fruitless expedition to the mountains of Pasto in search of the El Dorado. Meanwhile, in 1538, the Portuguese, Jerónimo Mello, had succeeded in entering the mouth of the Magdalena, making his way for a considerable distance upstream. The great river proved to be perfectly navigable from the sea to a point nearly as far south as Bogotá, and the Spaniards immediately utilized it as a route to Santa Marta and Cartagena, far preferable to the track through swamps and foothills which Quesada had followed. Each of the plateau provinces lying on the mountains which follow its eastern bank had its own paths down the slopes of the river, and a practicable, though tedious and expensive, communication with the Caribbean was developed. In 1542, Lugo, an adventurer who had successfully intrigued against Quesada, arrived with a commission as Adelantado and considerable reinforcements. New cities were founded among the gold mines of the Upper Magdalena, at Tocaima, Ibague, and Neiva, as well as at Pamplona, at the northern end of the plateaus. The tribes of Bogotá, Tunja, Vélez, Socorro, and Pamplona submitted without appreciable resistance, and their fertile fields were divided into great estates among the Spaniards. But the more savage tribes in the gold-bearing valleys of the Upper Magdalena and Cauca, and in Antioquia, struggled hard to escape impressment into the mines, and war almost exterminated them. The same thing happened on the plains of the Caribbean coast, although in that region some tribes maintained their independence. To work the mines and plantations, Negro slaves had to be imported, with the result that black blood predominates in the lower regions of Colombia, while the descendants of the aborigines are in the majority on the eastern plateaus. Within twenty-five years after the establishment of the first permanent post at Santa Marta, the whites were in undisputed control of practically all Colombia, which is now inhabited by civilized people. Three great territorial divisions corresponded to the three directions in which the conquest had been effected. From Cartagena, Antioquia and the lower Cauca had been settled. 
from quito popayan pasto and the upper cauca and bogotá was the centre of the region extending from pamplona south along the plateaus and into the valley of the upper magdalena this division of the country soon brought on disputes as to pre-eminence and jurisdiction between the authorities foreshadowing the demand for local independence which desolated colombia with civil war during so many years of the last century lugo the new adelantado who had displaced quesada deprived many of the original conquerors of their grants of land and indians and the old and newcomers fell to fighting among themselves but their numbers were too small to make their disagreements really threatening to the interests of the spanish crown in fifteen forty five the spanish government sent out a commissioner to reduce the country to order the first royal commissioner was replaced by a second in fifteen fifty three who carried things with a high hand depriving proprietors of their grants nominating members of his own family to the lucrative posts and finally even exiling quesada himself and executing some of the most famous of the original conquerors under instructions from madrid he promulgated many laws for the protection of the indians from the exactions and tyrannies of the encomenderos regulations which as in peru excited great dissatisfaction among the colonists and were constantly evaded it was forbidden for any encomendero to be military governor of his district and the original conquerors were replaced in all positions of authority by officials newly brought out from spain however the office of commissioner was an irregular and extraordinary one and his powers ill-defined even at bogota his authority was defied by the audiencia and the municipal councils and over the remote provinces of antioquia and popayan cartagena and panama his power was a mere shadow the spanish government resolved to erect quito and bogota into presidencies whose governors would be responsible directly to madrid and have greater authority over subordinate officials End of section twenty six